Welcome to the Words of the Great. Today we're going to be talking about philosophy and self-development. We will be picking up where we left off in our last talk, where we used Manly Hall's The Secret Teachings of All Ages as an outline to help us, to aid us in understanding what self-development is. And we're using this book specifically because it is an encyclopedia. It's a compendium of different self-developmental teachings from different people across the world and throughout time. We think there's a practical aspect to doing this. Because in order to, to move forward, we, we have to acknowledge the new epoch that's going on. Now we're entering a new world. And it poses the question, we must face it. We must answer the question, what are we going to do? And so here we can see a practical aspect in reading specifically this book for self-developmental, to understand self-development, because it's in self-development that will allow us to create that better world, a more moral, ethical, just world where we can at least maybe decrease some of the evil and just increase some of the good. When we say create a new world, that's really all we're talking about. And so this book here, an encyclopedia of self-development from across the world, you see, in order to understand what's going on in the world now, we have to understand what it is. And to understand what it is, we have to go into its history. And so by understanding the past, past, we can take necessary precautions, changes for the present, and then produce what we want for the future. And so when we looked, that's what history is. That's why history is a very practical, a very practical component to a revolution of creating a better world, a world with that has a little bit less evil than we have today and a little bit more good. Now, when we look to the book, Hall, he is simply an interpreter of ancient wisdom. He cared not at all to implement his personal beliefs, experiences into his work. We arrive into third century BCE in Britain, and we get the self-developmental perspectives from the Druids, who were apparently the original inhabitants of Britain and Gaul. But they developed a, a very a mystical moral system, a kind of mystical environmental ethos that guided them throughout life. And from this, they became very rude. They studied, they were deeply infatuated with mother nature. They studied the land, they studied the clouds, the sun, the stars, the plants. From this, they began to revere and praise mother nature, uh, the oak tree becoming the symbol for universal deity. They were a culture that was at least from the book here, The Secret Teachings of All Ages, they were very engaged in learning. And so their classrooms took place deep in the forest. Their ceremonies, their graduation systems took place in, in dark caves and sometimes right after going through a rigorous trial and tribulation and after coming out, succeeding, proving yourself twice born because that's really just what the academic institution really represents, from, right? It's you entering, subjecting yourself to an environment, facing a multitude of trials and tribulations and coming out twice born. Once you receive that degree, it was the same thing with the Druids, but much more rigorous and dangerous. And so one of these graduation tests upon the proper exposing and passing the proper curriculum was to be subjected to the sea in an open boat. And if the individual came back alive, they proved themselves of earning the title twice born, right? Now the Druids engage, uh, engage in a lot of evil behavior as well. Like, uh, 
of human sacrifices and, and probably a lot more. But what we can extract from them from a self-developmental perspective is the adherence to the process of seeking to learn, of that quest of knowledge. The love of learning compels the individual, moves them to pursue something, and they continue to do it. And now they continue to do it, not necessarily not caring about a goal, but they do it simply because they know the reward is in the labor. That's here what we can extract from the Druids. And from the Druids, we move to the first century in, in the Roman world, where the Roman soldiers received a new perspective, right? From their Roman philosophy and Roman perspective, and were received new information from the Persians. And it, the Roman soldiers became infatuated with it. And during this time, they had their wars of conquest, and so they were traveling all over Europe. And in that process of traveling all over Europe, they left little pieces of, the, of their self-developmental perspective around, stone tablets that we can pick up and check out that have etched in their um, self-developmental perspectives or religious beliefs and whatnot. See C.W. King's Gnostics and Their Remains book for verification there. But from these stones and tablets and from other from other things left behind from this, in the Roman world of the Mithraic order, we can see they subscribe to a notion of, uh, they subscribe to a life belief of two principles that governed existence. And these were two eternal principles. And without getting into the terminology and everything, they were really just meant good and evil. And they anthropomorphize these energies, good and evil, in Ahura Mazda and Aharman. Right, and th these were good and evil. And what happened was one drew jealous of the other. One wanted to have as much power as the other, and so that individual started to produce more evil things from himself and created more of those as a means to go and eradicate the good because they were jealous of the good for some unexplainable reason. It's basically another biblical story. It's, a, it's another story of creation, essentially, just coming from the first century in the Roman world. That's what that is. That's what Mithraism is. But it poses the question in a world that has good and evil, what are you going to do? You see, and that's what we can extract for a self-development perspective, from the Mithraics at least. Because in their life belief that constructed their view of reality consisted of two eternal principles that never had a beginning, will never have an end, and it's a constant good and evil. And, but because those two things had an attraction to each other in one way, they started chaos. And so the Madraics posed the, the ethical question, how are we gonna bring a little bit of law and order from that? And so they went about it their way. Every other self-developmental group went about it a different way. But from the Madraics, we can that's what we can extract from them, the, that even in the first century in the Roman world, they were seeking to harmonize two opposites. They were seeking balance. They were posing questions and trying to answer them by the way in which they lived their life. That's what we can extract from the Mithraics for a self-developmental understanding. And the philosophic instruction comes in when we understand that like we said about the Druids, what we extracted from them is the notion of that perpetual form of learning. 
always learning, always seeking to know. That, that translates, that moves over into the Mithraics as well. Because they're seeking to know, they're seeking to understand how to harmonize, how to harmonize two polar opposites. From the Mithraic or from the Mithraic perspective, we we can dive in even a little bit deeper to understand the harmonizing of the polar, of the polarization there, how to neutralize on the spectrum of polarities. Right? And here in from the Mithraic perspective, it's manifested in the form of masculine and feminine. They acknowledged the mother nature to be feminine while the sun was masculine. The sun became conceptualized by the name Mithras, which was the Zen title for the sun and dwells within that shining orb. Right? Hall here references Alexander Wilder's philosophy and ethics of Zoroaster's. You see, the Mithraic order is basically a simplification of the more complex, elaborate system of Zarathustra. But anyways, referring back to the how to harmonize the fact that the we get from a self-developmental perspective, we can see the Mithraic order was seeking to answer. They, they posed questions after acknowledging opposites in the world. And they were seeking to try to understand how we can bring a little bit of law and order from it, how we can bring harmony. And so for them, the Mithras, the name Mithras became the Lord of the Sun, powerful and radiant while Mithra represents the female principle. She is nature, she is the universe, and she's only fruitful when she's bathed in the glory of the sun, the sun being the masculine principle. And so here we can see how maybe poetically, artistically, creatively, they've constructed a solution to the problem, how can we bring harmony? They've, drawn, they've painted a picture of how that's possible, here embodied in the Mithraic order. And so with that, we are finished for today.